This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. Christian generosity is motivated from the heart out. It is personal, it is convictional, it is done out of love, and it is exactly what we need to be marked by. That we would think of the needs of others even above our own needs. That we'd be willing to sacrifice things that we love or that we want to meet the needs of what someone else needs or wants or has a, a need for. And it was apparent to the first church that they actually believed that it, practically expressing the love of Christ to other people in need is essential. Many of us often end up giving out of our abundance rather than sacrificially. Take this reality and then read about how those in the early church were literally selling their property to meet the needs of others. In today's message, Pastor Josh reflects on what it means to truly give from the heart and to love as Christ loves us. In his study, you'll learn how such genuine displays of love towards one another play a powerful role in witnessing to a lost world. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of Acts chapter two, as he continues his message, Vision Sunday. So they had the Old Testament, right? They had the prophets, the Psalms, the Torah, and that, so they taught that. And then they had the inspired meaning in the, from the New Covenant perspective. And the apostles would teach, this is what Jesus did. This is who Jesus was. This is what you should be as a Christian. That was the apostles' job. Today, we have a Bible. And you know what that Bible contains? The Old Testament-inspired scriptures, the accounts and the words and the teachings of Jesus and the Gospels, and the rest of the New Testament contains the apostles' doctrine. And so just as that early church said, we only want what is inspired by God, we only want the truth that comes from God, so a healthy church today must be committed to saying we only want what the Bible has to offer. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as an exhortation and as a warning. If you go to churches... And something is kind of like, something sounds off when they talk about the Bible. Something like, you know, the Bible really is a collection of works that, that the Bible contains inspiration from God, but not, not necessarily that every word is inspired by God. You'll hear these slight differences. They try to manipulate the language. And we don't know if we can really trust the historicity of the Bible and the miracles of the Bible because, you know, it's just kind of a... A, a bunch of stories that God uses to sort of tell us special. You guys, it's all, it's all foundational work to try to get you to believe things that aren't biblical. Because if we can undermine the authority of Scripture and undermine the counsel of God's Word, then pretty much you can be manipulated into believing anything that anyone who sounds good teaches you. And so, as a church, we must continue steadfastly in the teaching of the scripture. And even when I find a temptation as a human being to preach the latest trends or fads or to copy the most popular YouTube pastoral sensation, that's kind of even scary that that's a real thing. Whenever I am as a, as a human am tempted to move towards the latest trend, I remember Paul's words to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, he said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and with all teaching. 
Or like Paul said to the Ephesian elders as he departed from them, that I have not shunned to declare to you, he said, the whole counsel of God. And that whole counsel is found in the word because it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian to reach the whole world. That is something a pastor once taught me and it is absolutely true. And this is what I desire grace to be committed to and known for, that we are willing to bring a biblical worldview into every area of life. I'm gonna get in trouble. The the thing I don't wanna do is keep my garments and my shoes squeaky clean by saying things like, we just preach the gospel. We just stick to Jesus. And apparently, the gospel in Jesus has nothing to do with homosexuality, nothing to do with abortion, nothing to do with justice, nothing to do with inequality, nothing, you know, we just preach Jesus. What, does Jesus stop caring about that stuff now? You know what what that really comes from, church? It comes from, especially in the younger generation, a desire to avoid conflict at any cost. One pastor I really respect, he put it like this, I think we have an 11th commandment that says, thou shalt be nice at the expense of forgetting about all the other ones. We are called to be kind, to be compassionate, to be full of love and mercy and good fruits. We are not called to simply be nice at the expense of compromising the truth. And so we must stay committed to preaching God's word in context, in a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter fashion, and then addressing issues that do come up not from a cultural lens, but from a biblical lens. And starting of January of next year, I'm going to be encouraging a a church-wide one-year Bible reading plan that we will be on together so that we can all get in the habit day by day, morning to morning, being on the same page with each other, reading through the Word of God an entire year and really getting the Word of God into our hearts. Also, some different areas that we are going to be emphasizing and focusing on this coming year. We are going to be reinvigorating our men's ministry at this church. I'm going to be giving direction to our men's ministry team to launch a new discipleship-based study where we will meet monthly and our older men will lead and teach our younger men how to be good husbands and fathers and leaders within their church and their community and their home. And we are going to focus really on getting the men of our church called out and up to be who God called them to be. We need men to rise up right now. We need men who are willing to lead fearlessly in the face of what we're facing today. Likewise, with our women's ministry, plans are being made and my wife and Diane are, are, are discussing this upcoming retreat as well as studies where discipleship and the, the cross-generational, uh, multi-generational ministry will be able to take place both for the deepening of biblical knowledge and, and understanding as well as building those key relationships with each other. I've met with Dan and we're, we're still prayerfully pursuing uh, God's perfect course for our youth ministry. You guys know it's essential to me, but I won't I won't just get a youth pastor because I need a youth pastor. It's only God's guy. It's only God's person that's gonna, that's gonna come here. But something that's gonna be very important for us from a philosophical standpoint is to, is to train our children with tools that will help them combat the things that they're gonna hear in the world. This world, 
I know people don't want to accept this, but you guys, it is the truth. The world under the control and sway of the enemy wants to indoctrinate your kids to a godless worldview. And it will stop at nothing. It will invade the local public schools. It will invade the entertainment. It, uh, it will invade every crack and crevice that, that's allowed in your child's life. And what we need not only is to be equipping our parents and our families to disciple their kids and to guard their hearts, but our church needs to be a place where kids are learning how to defend their worldview, how, how the Bible is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, memorizing it, putting it in their hearts, and saying, this is the way, walk in it. And we are gonna really hunker down on that. We are going to be committed to raising up arrows in a quiver that will be shot out of this place. Now, of course, every, we don't deny that every child, every youth, every teen has to make their own decision for Christ and they can receive the best instruction and best parenting in the world and still uh, decide to deny Christ. But we also wanna make sure that they didn't do it because the church is full of hypocrites, because there was no power, because there was no truth. We want to equip them as best we can, and we are working together to really put together some, some, I think, some great concepts and ideas to interweave into our philosophy of ministry with, with our kids and our youth. So that's the first thing. I only have 25 more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Second thing here, they were committed to the apostles' doctrine, and then it says to fellowship. The word in the Greek, koinonia, it means to have all things in common, and here's the idea behind it. Despite the fact that we as individuals are all uniquely different, we all have different strengths and weaknesses and callings and purposes, all of our differences are subservient to the fact that we are all under Jesus Christ. He is the one that unites us. You see, fellowship is not just church potluck and having fun together. That's good. But fellowship is being together with the purpose to see Christ formed in each of us through iron sharpening iron through mutual edification, through the accountability that comes with having your life being shared with other people who know you and who are not afraid to tell you the truth and who are not afraid to encourage you and exhort you to love and to good works. This is why the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 made it absolutely clear, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? the day of Christ's return. And we see it approaching faster and faster every day. It is, I would say that Jesus is at the door. I believe it with all my heart. And what does that mean? Paul would be bold to say that in the last days, there will be more and more attempts to disband the gathering together of Christians. Using anything as a guise to stop the fellowship of believers from happening. And you guys, I don't mean to insult or offend anyone, but here is the truth of the matter. You will not be able to grow into the Christian you need to be if you do not worship, serve, and learn together with other Christians. I'm grateful for our online ministry. There are people watching right now that I know for sure are, are sick or shut in and they cannot get out and so they're part, this is their way of connecting. But they need even more than that. They need people to call them. They need people to visit them. They need other believers in the room, praying with them, exhorting them, encouraging them, worshiping with them. This is how we grow. And this is why I'm so excited about G3 groups starting up again. I was so blessed and impressed when I came to this church to see how many people were committed to a small group 
to being accountable, to building relationships, to digging in deeper. And the things that we study here on Sunday morning, your grace growth groups are going to allow you to dig even deeper into God's word and to build relationships that strengthen you in your faith and in your service to the Lord. Well, the third thing that is a foundational element here, and I like this one, simply this, a food. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that in the four foundational elements of the church, food is mentioned? In all seriousness, they, the Bible says here, the breaking of bread. And most commentators agree that, of course, this does apply to communion, but not in the way you and I think about it. For their communion, they had a love feast, which means they all sat together, and the, the idea is we're sitting together as one body, we're all eating from the same bread. We're all drinking from the same cup. That bread is the body of Christ. The cup is the, is the blood of the new covenant. We are all one body together, and we're all in Christ. And that was a beautiful expression of breaking bread. But verse 46 actually tells us it went further than that. It says they continued daily uh, together in the temple, and from house to house ate their food together with gladness and simplicity of heart. That's called hospitality. That's called I'm not going to close my life and my home and my heart and my resources to others, but I'm going to open them up to others so that we can share life together. And that is an essential part of church growth and strength is in the relationships and the meals and the fellowship we share with one another. And then fourth, we see that their foundation was prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayers. Many people agree that this was actually probably prayers that they would write out or recite, or even sing together when they gathered. Many of our worship songs today are prayers, or declarations, or praises to God. I'm reminded of Colossians 3.16, where Paul commands the church, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Worship and prayer ought to be a priority for a church that is growing in a healthy way. I am just as guilty as everyone here of being stressed out, dealing with something when I'm coming to church. I mean, okay, granted, I don't go to church a lot to be in your seat, but in the few times I have, I think I've been late to church every single time. And so there is no condemnation here, but I, I do want to emphasize this. The 15 or 20 minutes we spend singing songs before the message is not the time to find out how my neighbor was doing, tell this guy about my problems out in the foyer, and then come in when they finally start teaching. It's not, I don't really like that song. I'm not very entertained by that. No, what we are doing is we together are declaring that we adore and love and extol the majesty of the creator of the universe and the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And because of everything he's done, he is worthy of my song, of my prayer, of my worship, of my life. And so I wanna get in there and I wanna get on my knees or lift my hands or close my eyes and interact with the very presence of God because he's worthy and because he's good and because he's kind, because he's awesome. And I believe that God is going to increase I know this is a faith statement, but increase our experience and our commitment to worship and to praise and to prayer as a church. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying I think we're going to even go deeper. 
I think that God's going to bring people who are spiritually gifted and, and, and talented from him in, in arts and in music and in production and in songwriting so that we as a church can write and put forth songs to the body of Christ that are honoring and glorifying to God. I'm going I'm to tell you something that is very, not, very unprofound. Every song that we sing that you love is written by somebody. I know it's hard to believe. I, they don't just come from, and sadly, something that, that uh, causes me to be a, a, a little concerned more and more is that many of the songs that we're singing today, when you actually look at where they're coming from or what those words actually mean, you realize, man, some of the places our, our most popular worship songs are coming from have theologically gone off the rails. And I'm not being ultra-critical. I'm just saying it's, it's honest. It's an honest assessment. And, and there, there's still some great songs, and we can take them at face value, and we can, you know, but, but the reality is, is I've just been really challenged saying, let's write some songs here. What's God doing here? I was so, so proud to, to sit of Michael and sat down with him a couple times. He's already got two songs he's working on. They're just phenomenal. And I just think God is gonna continue to add as he builds this church, as he grows it, to, to just continue to bring us into a depth of worship. Our second Sundays and our early morning prayer groups that meet are such a blessing. Many of you might not know that every Friday morning at 6 a.m., there's a group of people that faithfully come here to pray and to meet. And every second Sunday, it's Chris said in the video, we've had more and more people coming to pray together as a body. And I believe that we are just at the beginning. First service, a sweet, sweet lady, she made the comment, oh, I just love what God's doing here. Uh, it's just so much, I don't know if I can keep up. Yeah, I understand. I don't, I'm not trying to make you tired. But <laughs> I, I do want to say that everyone is called to their own specific purposes and callings. When I speak of these things, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip. Everyone needs to do everything. But I am excited about this idea of prayer because a church that acts without praying is very dangerous. Prayer is not the only thing we should do, but if we don't pray, we shouldn't be doing much else. Prayer is where it starts. I encourage you to come to Second Sundays. In fact, I be I'm believing God that in the years to come at Grace, not only will we have Second Sundays, but we'll have first Mondays and third Tuesdays, and we will have people praying in and for this church and community 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at every Sunday morning service. And I think we're going to be heading in that direction. And so here we have a very uncomplicated formula from the first church of what we should seek to build on. Keep our lives rooted in God's word, Continue to invest in fellowship and relationships with other believers. Express and receive hospitality and invite people into your home and your life. And commit yourself both publicly and privately to prayer and to worship of God. And that is the secure foundation of the church. Notice next, though, in verse 44, that this foundation led to a sacrificial generosity from the church. Verse 44 says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Apparently there were people in the church, we learned from Acts chapter 5, who were landowners, 
that were selling their property and giving it to the church to meet the needs of those poor and those struggling within that new founded church. And you read this and it says they were selling what they had and they were distributing. Is this some sort of like weird communism or socialism? No, no, no. Make sure you know the difference. Socialism and communism are forced from the head up. Christian generosity is motivated from the heart out. It is personal, it is convictional, it is done out of love, and it is exactly what we need to be marked by. That we would think of the needs of others even above our own needs. That we'd be willing to sacrifice things that we love or that we want to meet the needs of what someone else needs or wants or has a a need for. And it was apparent to the first church that they actually believed that practically expressing the love of Christ to other people in need is essential. The attitude wasn't, what can I get out of Jesus? Or what can the church do for me? It was, no, I'm part of this body of Christ that needs to be giving of myself, my times, my time, my treasure, my talent, so that the needs of others, both within and without, would be met. And I do believe when it said they gave to anyone who had need, that not only was it in the church, but it was also outside of the church. For Galatians chapter six tells me, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. There is a priority for generosity within the church to the church. There is also a call for generosity from the church outside of the church, being a blessing to our community. And this is one thing I love about Hands of Grace, is it's a way that we can practically, sacrificially partner with kingdom Minded and gospel-centered works in our community. And it's a way that we can follow 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, that tells us, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We're going to be actively pursuing ways. How do we become more sacrificial? How do we be marked by generosity that meets the needs of others? Well, number three, that led to the next step on the ladder, which was they begin to have a solid reputation within their community. Verse 47 says, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. You might wanna mark that in your Bibles, having favor with all the people. Now here is, I want you guys to tune in. If if I'm losing you, tune in for a second. The early church was not full of people who made trouble for the sake of making trouble. You know what kind of people we're talking about? These are the kind of Christians that go down to the bottom of the boat, rock the boat, and then run up and say, there's a storm, a self-created storm. That's not the kind of people we want to be. Walter Martin put it like this, controversy for the sake of controversy is sin, but controversy for the sake of truth is a divine command. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at this. The church will always experience a dichotomy with its reputation. Dichotomy meaning two two realities in tension with each other. A church that is living in the truth, loving their neighbor as himself, loving God, sacrificially being generous, they will find favor in their community. People will go, oh yeah, Grace, Grace Church, this church, that church, yeah. Man, they're out there serving. You've just been listening to another edition of The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins. If this is the first time you've tuned in to this broadcast, 
we want you to know that we're a ministry based out of Grace Calvary in St. Joseph, Missouri. This radio program wouldn't be possible without our faithful listener support. We love to hear that our listeners are praying for this ministry and are grateful for those who feel led to give financially as well. Would you consider giving to this ministry? If so, simply go to theascendinglife.com, find the About tab, click on Grace Calvary, and then look for the Give link at the top of the page. If you're interested in getting to know us a little better, you'll be able to access more information about our church as well. Theascendinglife.com is where you need to go. You can watch us online via Facebook. Just search for Grace Calvary Chapel. Going back to our website, you can listen to a variety of teachings that Pastor Josh has given, as well as find a way to submit a prayer request. That's all at theascendinglife.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We trust that this message has met you right where you are and that God will use it to awaken you to the love, truth, and power of God. May you go about the rest of the day with that at the forefront of your mind. From all of us here on the production team, thank you for listening. We hope you'll come back again for another broadcast of The Ascending Life. Reaching up, we're pressing in.